Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. be back with you folks. We're still at Camp Joy, Wisconsin. Uh, we're speaking about 100 feet from the edge of the most beautiful lake I've seen in a long time. And uh, we're moving on and, and Job's going through it. Stephanie, good morning to you. How are you doing? Good morning, Doug. I am rejoicing in the Lord. That's great. And uh, she is rejoicing. And uh, Debbie and I have been hanging out with Stephanie and the kids and the Hicks girls. There's uh, three great Hicks girls here right now. And uh, helping to watch the kids, and uh, and I mean, there's going to be, I think there's going to be like 50 people here this week, Stephanie. Pretty awesome. And uh, they're all coming here for the specific reason to get help with PTSD or to help others with PTSD. So it's all about godliness. It's all about that God thing, and we're going to talk about that. But I want to hop into these 25 verses on chapter 24, and I know at times, folks, listen, I know at times this seems a little bit laborious. That's a word I have not used. It's uh, a good word in a long time, but she gave it, that to Emmy. Emmy, so to her vocabulary. So Emmy I got to tell. Okay, I got to tell you folks about Stephanie's youngest daughter, Emmy Line, uh, the greatest girl in history. If you go out and you look, uh, uh, if you go out and you look on my personal Facebook page, you'll see Emmy singing the first special at Camp Joy, Wisconsin last night. Four years old, belting it out, singing "Jesus Loves Me." Smile on her face. Uh, working the audience, looking at everybody in the eyes. I mm -hmm. mean, that was a great song. But I got to tell the quick uh, Emmy story so these people appreciate this. So the other night, Emmy calls me. I think her brothers dial the number sometimes, and or Stephanie did. Anyway, she, we're talking. It's the other night. Last time I talked to her before camp. And she called me up and she said, Uncle Doug, will you and Aunt Debbie take me for ice cream at Culver's at camp? And I said, well, Emmeline, that's a four-year-old girl. I said, well, Emmeline, I said, listen, I said, I'm on a diet and uh, I, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to lose weight. And Emmeline said to me on the phone, her next words were, I'm not on a diet, Uncle Doug. I want the ice cream. I'm thin. I look good. So that tells you, every, that tells you everything you need to know about Emmeline. I look really good. I can eat all the ice cream I want. <laughs> oh, to be four and to look really good and sing a special. No kidding. Here we are in Job number 24. Why? Seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty, do they that know him not see his days? Some remove the landmarks. They violently take away flocks and feed thereof. They drive away the ass of the fatherless. They take the widow's ox for pledge. They turn the needy out of the way. The poor of earth hide themselves together. Behold, as wild asses in the desert uh, go there forth, go there forth to their work. Rise in uh, bedtimes for a prey, uh, betimes, I'm sorry, for a prey. Uh, the wilderness yieldeth food for them and for their children. They reap every one of his corn in the field. They gather the vintage of the wicked. They cause the naked to lodge without clothing, and they have no covering in the cold. Now, I just want to say naked people freak me out. It's just something I want to say. Going, except, you know, it's all right for my wife and me to be pregnant in private. I'm pregnant. <laughs> to be naked. All right. Besides that, <laughs> naked people freak me out. All right. They pluck the fatherness from the breast and take a pledge of the poor. They cause him to go naked without clothes. There's a lot of nakedness going on here. And they take away the sheep from the hungry. 
which make oil. Stephanie's over here losing it. I'm trying not to look at her. We're usually not together when we do these, so it's making it a little harder. harder. <laughs> Within their walls and tread their wine presses and suffer thirst. Men groan from out of the city, and the soul of the wounded crieth out. Yet God layeth not folly to them. They are of those that rebel against the light. They know not the ways thereof, nor abide in the past thereof. The murderer rising the light killeth the poor, needy, and in the night of the thief. The eye also of the adulterer waiteth for the twilight, saying, No eye shall see me, and disguiseth his face. In the dark they dig through the houses, which they have marked for themselves in the daytime. They know not the light. For in the morning it is them even as the shadow of death. If one know them, they are in the terrors of the shadow of the death. He is swift as the waters. Their portion is cursed, cursed in the earth. He beholdeth not the way of the vineyards. Drought and heat consume the snow waters. So doth grave those which have sinned. The womb shall forget him. The worm shall feed sweetly on him. He shall be no more remembered, and the wickedness shall be broken as a tree. He evil entereth the barren that beareth not, and doth not good to the widow. He draweth also the mighty with his power. He riseth up, and no man is sure of life. Though it be given him in safety, wherein the resteth, yet his eyes are upon their ways. They are exalted for a little while, but are gone and brought low. They are taken out of the way as all other and cut off as the tops of the ears of corn. And if he not so now, who will make me a liar and make my speech, or make my speech nothing worth? I was thinking about that. He's saying, who can make me a liar? Who can prove to me that all these different things are going on? You know, this is just where we can take ourselves to, Stephanie. That's what I'm thinking. I think we can work ourselves up and take ourselves to a place that we, we're just spiraling down. We're just wondering, why me? Why us? Why am I going through this? Why are all these different things going on? And, and uh, you know, those questions that come out over and over again. And, and, and I mean, what would you, what do you think here? How do you spiral to the place? Uh, you lose your houses, you lose your barns, you lose your kids. You, you lose most of your family. You're sitting in what could easily be called the city dump. You were the richest man in the world. You're going through these great trials. And, uh, and he's looking for God. I mean, mm -hmm. how's he getting here? How does he get out of here? Well, I think Job here, um, it's ironic. When you were reading the, reading the last half of this, I was thinking of the writers, to be quite honest, because he describes in so many ways... Um, he describes violence. He describes, you know, the murder rising with the light killeth the poor and needy and in the night. Yeah. He says, a thief, the eye also of the adulterer waiteth for the twilight, saying, no eye shall see me in disguise of his face. Kind of, it's kind of a funny, considering all the mask stuff. Yeah. Um, in the dark, they dig through houses, which they had marked for themselves in the daytime. They know not the light. Um, it's just very interesting. Some of the descriptions, it's just it's like, wow, we're watching this kind of evil prosper, it appears. Um, and then we get down and it says, they are exalted for a little while, but are gone and brought low. Yeah. They are taken out of the way as all other and cut off as the tops of the ears of corn. So it's kind of an inter interesting chapter to me because I see here Job descri you know, describing verse 12, men groan from out of the city. 
and the soul of the wounded crieth out. But then he says, yet God layeth not folly to them. And I think Job has reached almost in this chapter, he's he's almost, if I can say this carefully, it almost is like he's accusing God of letting the wicked get by with their sin in the middle of the chapter. Like he's struggling with this thing of, is God just letting all the wickedness go by? Like he's let this stuff happen to me. Yeah, he's absolutely and struggling. And he's at this point of just verbalizing it appears to him that all of these, you know, wicked people are doing wicked things. They drive away the ass, the donkey of the fatherless. They take the widow's ox for a pledge. They turn the needy out of the way. So in other words, these people are inhumane. He kind of brings up similar, not exact wording, but I can't remember which of the And he's talking about, you know, having that portion cursed right. on earth. He's, he's talking about the wicked people. I mean, he's... Well, and he's kind of throwing some of one of them had accused Job of these things of taking of you know yeah oh he's answering he's answering so he's, he's slamming yeah. he's slamming some of their accusations inhumane oh yeah it is Eliphaz um, in chapter twenty two talked about that yeah. thou hast sent widows away empty and the arms of the fatherless have been broken in other words so now he's answering Eliphaz saying yeah this is the stuff the wicked do. And he's making sure it's not him included. <laughs> he's saying they do these things. They treat him like dirt. But then he says, yet God layeth not folly to them in verse 12. And that's what troubles me is that Job has reached that point, at least in the middle of the chapter, of really yeah. hopelessness and despair and a sense of... He's kind of having a pity party. Yeah, like because in, in chapter 23, he was talking about he knows God is true He's going to bring me forth as gold. And then in 24, he's flipped back into that despair, hopeless mode. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think what, what's going on here in my mind, I think what I see is there's a pity party going on. And, you know, Job doesn't have these New Testament words that are yeah. so helpful to us. Finally, brethren, over in Philippians, when we did Joy from Jail in the book of Philippians a few, a few weeks back, but it says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And Somehow the thinking, here's what's going on. The knuckleheads, the narcissists, the creeps, the freaks are controlling everything right now. Right. Because they're just banging away at Job. And folks, that can happen to us. Mm -hmm. And again, we said last podcast, we've said, you know, if we've said it once, we've probably said it a hundred times. Separate from the narcissists. If you're married to them, go get marriage counseling and get those things fixed. But if you're not married to them and there's just people ruining your life, Hey, you know, I used to work with a lady and every time she didn't want anything to go along, she used to look at me with a real big smile. She had a master's degree in English, but this is what she used to say to me. She was a civilian worker up there at the personnel command. One of the smartest women I ever know, ever met that I worked with on a full-time basis when I was in the army and in my whole life that I ever met. She's just brilliant. And I'd look over at her and I'd say, well, you know, we're going through this, this, and this. And she'd look at me and she said, ain't nobody got any time for that. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we don't have any time for, for Job and we, uh, friends. We don't have the, we don't need the Eliphazes. We don't need the Bildads. We don't need the Zophars. But you know what's weird? And Stephanie, we talked about this. Having that spirit. What was the spirit? The Jezebel spirit. Yeah. We could also call it the Eliphaz, the Zophar, the Bildad spirit. 
Uh, boy, if you detect that spirit with people around you, you might be hanging around with the wrong crowd. No kidding. I mean, what say you, Stephanie? I mean, if you detect this, mm -hmm. if you see that Jezebel spirit, if you see that Eliphaz, that Bildad and that Zophar spirit, I mean, what would you say? What would you what would you say to a lady who's listening? I, and just because ladies sometimes have a harder time breaking off relationships. See, men need relationships. They need people. They definitely need a wife and things of that nature. Uh, but we don't freak out too bad if we lose a friend or two. For women, the way God wired women, it's different. And do you feel, do you feel like sometimes it's hard to let go of folks? Yeah, well, and I think um, the thing about narcissists that you have to remember is two narcissists prey on people that are loving. They yeah. prey on people that are tenderhearted. They prey on people who quite honestly, have something to give them. Exactly. And they're tools. People are tools to narcissists. They don't even comprehend what a relationship is because they don't have a relationship with God. They don't have a relationship, a real relationship with anyone. Yeah. And God is a tool to them. If they're spiritual, quote unquote, God is a tool to them. And so um, I totally agree. There's really no, you are never going to reason with a narcissist, biblically or logically. They are beyond reason. They it's are. their way or the highway, period. Yeah. And so you're wasting oxygen to try to convince them you're wasting oxygen, you know, and this is the thing, they're energy suckers. They are, and everybody gets one try in my mind. I mean, if somebody's ruining your life, uh, you, you give them that try, in my mind. You know, mm -hmm. you say, hey, listen, you stink. Well, and there's, I think it's important yeah. to point out here, there's a difference. I was just talking with someone about this. There's a difference between forgiving and <laughs> forgiving to that level. There's a difference between forgiving and there being no trust relationship. Yeah. And you never trust a narcissist. No, and, and yeah, I mean. They will throw at you. You're bitter. They will throw at you. You just, you know, you're just totally holding this stuff And they don't listen. Me. No. They don't listen. Hey, we know people, uh, all of us, everybody listening to the station, we all know people who've been through the fire. Folks, I'll tell you, one of my designated duties, while well, a member of Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, I was a deacon, and I was like Pastor Coles and I were best buds. I mean, we did a lot together. I grew considerably uh, with his tutelage, but sadly, one of the things he always used me for was to go out on these church discipline visits and stuff. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that we have to work yeah. things out, you know? And we would go or do on our visits. Best to work and I'll tell you, out. nine yep. out of ten times, I want to give you the positive of this, folks. Nine out of ten times we'd go out on a visit and we could make things okay. Mm -hmm. We'd say, hey, man, you know, this is hurting the church, it's hurting people in the church. We would take people with us if they've been hurt. Yep. And we would all sit down, we would drink a cup of coffee. When we left, we all hugged and believed that the situation was control, but we didn't make those people deacons. Yeah. We, the trust level, it, it was going to take, you know, one, one act of craziness can yeah. ruin life so bad that yeah. we need to be watchful for them. Yeah. Because it doesn't only ruin our lives, Stephanie. So, I mean, people listening, it ruins those we love's lives. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, and I think, you know, you said 9 out of 10. There will be, um, I personally have encountered those situations where you follow at Matthew 18. Yeah. You talk to the person. You try to resolve. You may even think you leave the situation 
yeah. with it resolved. And when you're dealing with a narcissist, they will lead you to think it is resolved. And sometimes within the same day, you find out, oh no, I thought it was resolved. I open back up and whammo, you're slammed again. And so there are those situations where you follow Matthew 18. Um, you may go to the church. You may find out that the issue goes way deeper than you even that's begin right. to comprehend. And so that's where you keep that, keep that mindset of, okay, I've done what I was supposed to do, and then move along. Because narcissists will hang scripture when they want to. Narcissists love to argue. They do. They love the quote-unquote dialogue. They, they love do. to quote discuss the problem. Yeah. And so you have to be aware of that and say, no, I followed biblically what I needed to do. You're just trying to control my life. And no, this is over. And, and they're done. cunning. Yes. And, and sometimes they're charismatic. Sometimes they're very smart as far yeah. as they can be. They can have what appears to be a very high IQ. And that honestly doesn't matter because they're fools biblically. Yeah, so wisdom with the Lord is loving the Lord, following His ways, trusting the Lord. Yep. Now, God does make some people, uh, obviously, more intelligent or higher IQs. In some cases, I've found, and I, sh you know, I should tell you that uh, Debbie and I tested our IQs in Germany because we had nothing else to do, so we're considered superior IQ people, but uh, I guess we're not real good at it because we're not jerks like other superior IQ people, you know? And... Uh, well, and like you've told me, people that try to come across as being superior IQ. Um, yeah, they work at it, man. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and just this week, a, a gentleman, one of my doctors, said to one of my sons, who was struggling with some narcissistic things that were said to him recently. Yeah. The doctor, who who's a Christian and loves the Lord, said to my son, there's a difference between being smart and being wise. Yeah. And when the rubber meets the road, it's Seek way wisdom. better to be a wise man than to be a smart one. And that was such, for my son and the situation he was in, that was the God led my doctor to tell him that. And he didn't even know the situation, but God did. And that's the bottom line. A narcissist thinks they're smart, yeah. but what matters is that you're wise and wisdom, the beginning of wisdom is fearing God and a narcissist Boy. does not fear God. That's right. And so Job here is being filled with that toxicity because of his three friends. So my biggest counsel, if you have a narcissist in your life, fill yourself, immerse yourself in God's word with God's wisdom because you have to flush the poison out. Otherwise it will destroy you. It will. And let me give you an example. Uh, so a few years back, Debbie and I were at this particular camp, at Camp Joy, and uh, there was a lady here who just uh, uh, just was abused verbally with the narcissistic type of stuff. You know, she was never good enough. She was never pretty enough. She never looked right. She never did the right things. And she actually came and had PTSD because her whole life had been riddled by these people. You know, her sister was the good one, all this. So this woman wakes up and she's like 30 years old, never been married. Never been on a date, uh, never wore nice clothes, just thought her life was insignificant. And uh, I'll tell you, that's what narcissism does to people. Mm -hmm. And the, the good news is this lady's married, uh, has a kid, and I believe has another one on the way. Looks so beautiful. I mean, like getting her hair done, wearing good clothes, and realize that our identity is not found in the narcissist. That's right. Our identity are not found in the dens of narcissism. 
That's exactly right. They're not found in the homes of these, uh, you know, evil workers because narcissistic work is, it's evil work. It is. Being a narcissist is Satanic. submitting to the devil yep. with your work. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's trusting with the devil for your work. It's, it's, you know, it, it's a terrible place to be. And, and I think to steal life from somebody, Stephanie, yeah. you know, and there's people listen to us right now and we know they're hurting a lot of PTSD, a lot of helping people with PTSD, but there's people who are listening right now who've been called fat, who've been called ugly, who've been called dumb, who've been told they can't hold a job, told mm -hmm. they, uh, they can't do all these things in life. And, you know, don't buy into that stuff. Right. I mean, what would you tell somebody who's hearing all that? I would say um, the same thing I'm saying to someone I'm working with right now who's dealing with this kind of thing. Exactly what you said. Your identity does not lie in what a creep is telling you. Your identity lies in Jesus Christ. And yeah. before Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. You are clothed in His righteousness he has made you in his image. And before the foundation of the world, he had a beautiful plan for your life. And so don't let a human being who is being controlled by your enemy, the devil, create in you your image of yourself. Because yeah. remember before God who you are, you were bought with a price. Yeah. And God loved you enough to die for you. He loves you enough to give you a beautiful life full of blessing and full of joy even if in the midst of a trial he can be your joy he can be that smile on your face he can be the reason you have a spring in your step even if you're going through a trial and so keep your eyes fixed on jesus yeah i think you know i i think that's it folks and listen if you're out there and somebody's done and, and you know men do this to women more than women do it to men and uh you know, and to me, I was never really affected in my adult life by criticism and stuff. And uh, just, I'm just being honest with you. So it, it just, in, as a kid, it really hurt me. You know, my parents had been divorced. Uh, people tried to abuse me. I mean, there were a lot of things that happened as a kid. But, by, you know, I went through basic training in the Army and stuff. From that point forward, I just, I don't know, man. I never really dealt with that. So it's kind of hard, I guess, what I'm saying to you, Stephanie. It's hard for me to understand an adult can fall into a trap, and uh, but they can't. It's easy for me to understand. <laughs> because you've fallen into that trap. Yep. You're not going to believe this, people, but there have been people in Stephanie's life who've said she's not pretty, who claims she's fat and different things like that. And, and you know, it, that's just not true. Uh, but I, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, if you see narcissist behavior around you, if you're living around that as we're closing here, folks, if, if it's happening to you, separate yourself for it. If you're the narcissist, stop what you're doing, grab the Bible and read. Yeah. Uh, go over to 2 Timothy. I know it's a pastoral epistle, but read what happens to men today. Yeah. Uh, read what happens to all of us today. Mm -hmm. We're going to be lovers of our own selves. We're going to be all these different things. And that's, you know, that's what makes a narcissist. Yeah. Uh, Hey, listen, folks, we really love you. We'd be honored if you'd take the time to stop by our private pages and drop us a note. And hey, we promise this Job thing gets a lot better and it gets a lot better pretty soon. We're just a few days from some real good stuff happening right. in Job. And hey, comment out there on a page if you want to drop us a message on what our next study should be. One of the things we're doing is we're looking at the life of Christ. We're looking at the books of Corinthians. So if you want our next study to be something like that, drop us a line. We love you folks. Listen, if we can do anything to help you, let us know. Hey, 
just a second, I got something very important I want to tell you. Listen to Thank this. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. One of the more exciting things about our ministry is being able to tell people how they can know for sure they're saved and believe in Jesus Christ and spend eternity in heaven. The Bible tells us there's four things we need to know to be saved. The first thing it tells us is we're all sinners. The Bible says there are none righteous. It says that everybody in the world is a sinner. The second thing that the Bible teaches us is there's a price on sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. The third thing and the good news that the Bible teaches us today is it says, but God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners before we were even born, Christ died for us. So we can know we're a sinner. We can know there's a price on sin, but thank God that Christ died for us. Then the Bible says we must speak it in our mouth and believe it in our heart that all we need to do is pray to God, believe it in our heart that Christ has died for our sins and ask him to save us in Jesus Christ's name. And you know what, folks? He will. If we can do anything to help you in that area, please send us a message. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at woundedspirits.com. Dot com.